What is going on everyone? It is Mason Pierce here, host of the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast. And I want to let y'all know about a little secret, and it's called Anchor by Spotify. It is one of the new and easiest ways to make your own podcast with everything you need all in one single place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from the comfort of your phone or computer. And also, when you are hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and whatever platform you choose to post it on. It's everything you need to make a podcast in just one single place. And the best part of all, Anchor is totally free to use. So make sure you download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. Get started creating your own podcast or start hosting on a very up-and-coming new platform. What is going on, Cover 7 family? Welcome back to another episode of Cover 7 with Mason Pierce. And this time it's not just another episode. It is actually episode 50 of the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast. I can't believe I'm already 50 episodes into just this new journey in my life and a new opportunity, you know, with y'all. I mean, it's it's just incredible that y'all have stuck around for this long already. I mean, even though there's not a lot of y'all, but the few that do support me every single episode... I want you to all know that I truly do appreciate y'all, and I can't wait to continue to get to episode 500, 1,000, whatever it might be. I can't wait to continue to go down this journey. Now, today's episode, it's actually got some pretty hefty news. Chad Morris, the former SMU and Arkansas head coach who was just at Allen High School in Texas, he just recently resigned as head coach and is actually eyeing a return to the college football ranks. Now, will he get a job in the college football ranks? Possibly, but maybe not as a head coach. Now, we also have a couple more transfer portal news. Tyler Jr. College quarterback General Booty. And yes, that is his actual name. He finally had has committed to a school. Also, former Oklahoma and UCF wide receiver Jalen Robinson. He actually has just made his commitment. And it really will not shock you where he ended up going. And then finally, towards the end of the video, we'll talk a little bit about some NFL news, some recent signings. And then also Drew Brees is actually done with NBC after just spending one season with the production group. So, and apparently it's being rumored that he is eyeballing, um, apparently collabing with Fox as well. So joining Fox as maybe an analyst or kind of what he did at NBC as a host or not a host, but one of those. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I can't really put it into words because my brain right now just refuses to like put it actually into words but yeah he, he probably will end up with Fox sometime in the future but Drew Brees is actually out on NBC right now now in the baseball world Shohei Otani he picked up his 100th career home run on Saturday against the Oakland Athletics so obviously huge congrats to Shohei we'll talk about him a little bit later and then finally to end the episode we will talk about the Cincinnati Reds yes the best team in baseball, the Cincinnati Reds. Also, if you couldn't tell, I'm being sarcastic. They're absolutely the worst team in baseball this year. And the Cincinnati Reds actually did get a bright, you know, a, a bright and good thing happen to them on Sunday. They actually got a no-hitter. But then that bright thing turned very dim until you realize they actually lost the game but had a no-hitter. This was the first time a team has lost a game where they had a no-hitter since back in 2008. So we definitely do have some very interesting news to talk about today, guys. But before we do begin, please make sure that you do follow both the Instagram and TikTok of the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast at Cover 7 with Mason Pierce on both platforms. We just hit 200 followers on TikTok. I'm loving the growth we're seeing on there. I try and post as much as I can every single day on both platforms. And I just try to keep y'all updated every day with sports and just great sports content. 
Now, guys, as you all know, we start out our episodes talking about some college football news. I love college football. Y'all love college football. So let's get right into it. Now, the first news of the day is regarding former Arkansas and SMU head coach Chad Morris. Now, during last year, Chad Morris actually agreed to go up to Allen, Texas and become their head coach. The Allen Eagles, one of the greatest high school programs in the country for football. So it wasn't really a shocker that, you know, they would give him a chance considering, you know, he had great runs at Clemson as their offensive coordinator where obviously he recruited guys like Deshaun Watson. But nothing less, as he was the head coach of the Allen Eagles, it was reported on Friday per Allen High School ISD that, that um, Chad would be leaving the program to possibly return to the college football ranks. And then in an interview, Chad Morris had this to say about Allen ISD. I'm so thankful to Allen ISD for, for the chance to work with an amazing group of student athletes and a dedicated coaching staff. Allen is a top-notch school system that prioritizes students above all else. You know, just kissing them. But they did give him a chance, and obviously, I guess it did pay out for him at the end of the day. So I don't really know exactly where he could be eyeing. Maybe he could be wanting to go to TCU considering his son Chandler Morris is a redshirt sophomore at the program. I would be honestly I wouldn't I wouldn't be complaining. Chad Morris was a decent offensive coordinator the back in the day, specifically with Clemson. So if we could possibly get him back, that'd be really cool. Maybe he might go to SMU. I think he will try and stay in the Metroplex, the DFW Metroplex. Because that always kind of has seemed to be his area. North Texas is another program to watch out because he does still have deep high school ties in that area. So, yeah, Chad Morris might actually be returning to the college football ranks, but do not expect it to be as a head coach. It will probably end up being as an assistant or just an, like one of those off-the-field assistant recruiting type guys because he does recruit pretty dang well. Now, let's get into some high school recruitment news. And we really only have one huge... Um, recruitment news coming out of high school to talk about, and that is regarding four-star running back Dante Dowdle. Now, Dowdle, he is a four-star running back in the 2023 class coming out of Picayune, Mississippi, and he had offers from schools like Florida State, Arkansas, Georgia Tech, Louisville, Missouri, Minnesota, South Carolina, Tennessee, and pretty much every single Power 5 school that you can imagine. And he actually made his commitment last Friday, and he decided that he would be joining Dan Lanning and the Oregon Ducks up in Eugene. And this is absolutely fantastic for Dan Lanning and the Oregon Ducks going, you know, into the future necessarily because they still do have a stacked running back room as a running back room right now at Oregon consists of guys like Sean Dollars and Byron Cardwell who actually exploded onto the scene last year against Colorado where he had 127 yards and a touchdown on only seven carries. So the future is looking bright for Dan Lanning as the, and the Ducks as it now puts Oregon's 2023 class as the 31st overall ranked class in the 2023 cycle and this is according to 24-7 sports so the future is looking bright for Dan Lanning and the Oregon Ducks considering he hasn't even been there for half a year yet so it's definitely good to see Oregon finally getting some more traction in the recruiting cycle now the next news we have it's actually regarding former Tyler Jr. college quarterback and yes guys when I tell you this name this is actually his name General Booty. Now, General Booty, he is from the Allen, Texas area. You know, he graduated from Allen High School, but he was not really recruited at all coming out of high school. His only couple offers were New Mexico and Presbyterian College. So, obviously, he decided to take the JUCO route, and it worked really well for him as during the 2021 season, he actually had 3,100 yards on 233 completions out of 381 passing attempts and 25 touchdowns. So, very, you know, good statistically wise, and obviously, He's, he will be going up to Oklahoma, only which only continues to build up the depth, like the depth on, in that quarterback room up at Oklahoma. Because 
not to add on the fact their current starter is Dylan Gabriel, who will be gone after this season because he, he was a graduate transfer coming out of UCF. So he only had one year of eligibility. But Oklahoma also has two five-star quarterbacks coming in next year and then I think the year after that. So he probably won't see a lot of playing time unless he absolutely just just blows away the coaches. But nothing less, he is still a very good depth quarterback for the Oklahoma Sooners. And even if he does decide to enter the transfer portal, maybe later on in his career because he realizes he really won't get that much playing time up in Norman, he'll probably be a really solid group of five quarterback then. But nothing less, he's already a fan favorite, obviously because his name is very interesting. But that is actually his real name. Y'all can look it up. So, But nothing less, good pickup for the Oklahoma Sooners getting an absolutely talented quarterback in my opinion. Now, since we're on the topic of the transfer portal and we're kind of getting a little bit more close to fall camp and we're starting to get towards the middle of the summer where things are going to you know, start heating up in regards to depth charts and who's going to be starting here, who's going to be starting there for all the schools around the country, Ole Miss continues to just absolutely ruin any Ole Miss fans what they thought the depth chart would look like because Ole Miss – they just landed former Oklahoma and UCF wide receiver Jalen Robinson. Now, Jalen Robinson, he had a very entertaining video with him and Lane Kiffin. Both were driving in a Rolls Royce, Jalen being in the back seat, and then Lane Kiffin pretty much being his Uber driver, if you want to say. And they were joking around. And then towards the end, Lane said, yeah, I'll do what you want, but first, and you need to promise me you'll come to the SIP. And it was like, oh, hi, funny, whatever. Now, Jalen, he is from the Fort Worth area, so a lot of TCU fans, including me, kind of thought, hey, maybe he might sneakily come to TCU, you know, him and Quentin Johnston, who probably is going to be a very high 2023, you know, draft pick, you know, that would have been a deadly duo and and it would really help a TCU offense that kind of needs it. I mean, they just lost Zach Evans to Ole Miss and getting a guy like Jalen Robinson would be huge, but Jalen Robinson actually announced on Sunday that he would be joining Lane Kiffin and the Rebels, so... I mean, statistically wise, you're probably like, what's the big deal? Well, this kid was a four-star wide receiver coming out of high school. He did really well with the U- the UCF Knights. He was a first-team All-American Athletic Conference wide receiver in 2020. And he still had a pretty solid career with UCF, putting up about 1,500 yards during his UCF tenure and then also having about eight touchdowns. So decent numbers. And the fact that he still has two more years of eligibility left because the COVID year, this allows for Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin to really use him going forward. Now, don't expect him to be one of the most, the best wide receivers in the country. He probably won't. But definitely if Jackson Dart you know, plays anything like we saw during the Washington State game last year, this Ole Miss offense is just going to continue to be deadly. They got Ulysses Bentley from SMU. They got Zach Evans from TCU. They got Jackson Dart from USC. They got Michael Trigg from USC who will be in the tight end position. I don't know who can stop this Ole Miss team. I mean, yeah, there's you know they're in the same conference as you know Alabama, LSU, Georgia, but I mean they really do have a chance if they continue to like. I really want to see a lot more. I guess you could say videos and footage of these guys in practice, and then obviously week one and week two when we see Ole Miss step out onto the field, we'll really know if they are legit or they're just pretenders. Because once again, we've seen teams that get super stacked, and then they just absolutely fail once it comes to week one so nothing less Ole Miss right now is going in a really great trajectory Lane Kiffin is building in my opinion a really great program I mean especially after all these past couple years Ole Miss has had whether it has been sanctions and just bad coaching they finally in my opinion I think they found a steady coach in Lane Kiffin unless he decides to you know 
go join the NFL for some odd reason, but nothing less great pickup for the um, Ole Miss Rebels and Lane Kiffin. Now, the next news we have this is regarding former Florida State defensive lineman Creshawn Fuller. Now, Fuller, he's a former four-star defensive end coming out of Lehigh Senior High School in Florida, and he decided to you know, stay home and go to Florida State. Well, didn't really have too much playing time, you know, never, like once again, never really saw that much action, so he decided to enter the transfer portal. I think it was back in late April. Now, he officially did make his commitment during this past weekend, and he decided that he will be going up to Maryland and joining the Terrapins. Now, this isn't anything, you know, groundbreaking. We probably will not remember him or anything like that. But I do think this could be good for a Maryland team that obviously has optimized the transfer portal very well, getting guys like Talia Tagovailoa to Tagovailoa's little brother, who was an Alabama transfer. So just continue to watch out for Maryland, maybe to continue to make moves in the right direction via the transfer portal. I love head coach Mike Loxley and what he's done for the Terrapins so far, and I think the players do as well, and that's why a lot of them have stayed and transferred to Maryland. So Maryland might be able to eventually, hopefully, get out of that six and six, five and seven range, and you know, be able to get up there to eight and four, nine and three. You know, especially considering the Big Ten is not one of the strongest conference conferences in the whole country. Now, don't get me wrong; when you're playing Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State, you're gonna lose those games nine times out of ten. But nothing less when you're playing Illinois, Northwestern, Purdue, and you know some of those smaller schools, you should be able to win those, especially with all the talent that you keep getting on a consistent basis easily should be able to go nine and four or not nine and four should go eight and four nine and three and then possibly win your bowl game so nothing less good to go for the terrapins now for the final topic of today's college football segment in this episode it's news that i did not really want to hear i mean i watched this kid from when he was a freshman at kentucky now to where he possibly could be an nfl running back come next year's draft and this is regarding chris rodriguez current kentucky running back now a bench warrant had actually been issued Friday for his arrest after he failed to appear in court due to multiple traffic charges, which also did include driving under the influence, a.k.a. DUI, something you really do not want to happen regardless whether you're an athlete or you know, just a regular person. Now, they, and it's kind of weird, and this was a statement from the University of Kentucky, they have, they, in a quote, they said, we have confirmed the issue was a scheduling mistake in Chris's attorney's office, and then they also went on to say they are diligently working to get it corrected. The student athlete was not required to attend. So, it, it, it's kind of weird because the University of Kentucky, and you can actually look it up, it's on cbssports.com, they're saying that you know, University of Kentucky was saying, well, he didn't have to go. There's a, there's a scheduling mistake in, you know, what Chris was supposed to be doing in his attorney's office. You know, it's not his fault, yada, yada, yada. And also a $200 fine was also included in his warrant as well. It was just, it's a bad situation to begin with. Now, this act, this whole incident actually occurred last Sunday. And, you know, he was, he was actually arrested early Sunday morning for careless driving and in, in, while operating a motor vehicle under the influence. And this is actually in state records in Kentucky. And <laughs> Chris actually would then go on to admit that he, you know, he had drank one or two shots of alcohol before driving. But obviously, he ended up failing. And it was just a good situation for a kid that literally was a first-team All-SEC player last year. You know, he had a breakout junior year rushing for 1,300 yards and nine touchdowns. You know, we were all expected, or not all of us, but. At least I was. I was expecting him to possibly be able to break out his senior year and be able to get get up to a low, 
first round, high second round pick because he's got great size. I mean, a lot of, you know, Kentucky used him more as a third down back slash power back when Benny Snow was still there. But once Benny went on to the NFL, he kind of overtook the running back one reps and everything like that. And he actually emerged, as we all saw last year. I mean, Kentucky as a whole kind of emerged. But, you know, expecting a senior breakout, this just happened, all this DUI situations. And we don't even know if he will be playing college football next year, let alone not being possibly arrested or anything like that. And I'm hoping he does get things set straight. He goes on the right path and will be able to play during the season. He's, I mean, obviously he needs to learn from his mistakes because we've seen it way too many times here recently, specifically the Henry Ruggs situation that happened late last year. So it's just, I wish these guys would understand and learn from these you know, professionals' mistakes and so they won't do it at the collegiate level. But it's just, it's just something that, th that we have to be able to figure out later down the line. But besides that, let's get on to some actually kind of funny news. And this isn't regarding college football. It is still college news, but it's actually college baseball news. Now, this news is not just about bias. I know I'm a TCU fan, and, you know, some huge news come later. But this just was something I could not believe when I saw it for the first time on Saturday. And this was regarding TCU baseball taking on Kansas University, you know, the Jayhawks, specifically known for being a very good basketball school. Now, Kansas and TCU, they have a three-game series this weekend, started on Friday, ended on Sunday. And on Saturday, Saturday's game was pretty interesting, and I'll just, you know, tell you all why specifically. TCU would go on to win this game 30-3, and this was a full nine-inning game, no extra innings. This was just nine innings. And, yes, you heard that right, 3-0-3. TCU won this game it was absolutely just something like it's like okay you know let's just chill out now let's give them a break let's not absolutely you know just dominate them but that's all it was TCU just absolutely could not find a way to not hit the ball and they were I mean crushing it now David Porter he actually had a historic day for the Horn Frogs he recorded 10 RBIs which was a school record and just led led TCU to the dominant win they had. So shout out to my Horn Frogs. I at least wanted to mention that in today's episode because how could you not include the fact that a college baseball, specifically Division One Power 5 school matchup, finished 30-3? I mean, if this really doesn't solidify the fact that Kansas is literally a basketball school and that's it, I don't know what else to tell you. I mean, I, I really don't. But anyway, besides that, guys, that is it for today's college football slash baseball news. Not a lot going on, but the stuff that did happen was pretty noteworthy. Now, as we transition to some NFL news, we actually got a couple veteran players find their new homes. And actually, the first news we have, it'll actually be regarding a player finding his old home. Now, this is regarding the New Orleans Saints and wide receiver Jarvis Landry. And in case you don't know Jarvis Landry, before he was drafted to the Miami Dolphins back in 2015, he originally played his college football at LSU and was pretty dominant. His fellow teammate, Odell Beckham Jr., who, who we all know for that you know, amazing one-handed catch he made against the Giants back in 2014. But nothing less, he is actually returning to the New Orleans Saints. He's returning to the Louisiana area on a one-year deal. I like this. Now, if they can get Michael Thomas healthy, they just went out and got Chris Olave in the draft. Now they will have Jarvis Landry to be a very dominant slot receiver. And then Jameis Winston, who's coming off a torn ACL. And he does look really healthy. I mean, he had that um, that hilarious clip on NFL Network a couple days ago. I made sure to put it on the Instagram. It was, let's just say he loves the sport of football. That's, 
that's all that's all y'all need to know but anyway Jarvis Landry will actually be returning to the New Orleans Saints it was not an expensive deal I think it was only around four to five million dollars for one year so getting a guy that will literally give you Pro Bowl level talent and production it's just something you can't not take and obviously the Saints they went out and got Tyron Matthew from the Chiefs which I can't believe they signed Tyron so cheap, and but the Chiefs actually went out and got a more expensive safety who may not even give up half the production that Tyron did. Now, I get it because he's younger, and obviously Tyron's only aging, which I don't blame the Chiefs for that, but I do think Tyron literally had some of his best seasons the past couple years with the Chiefs, and that's why it didn't make sense to me why they didn't resign him. But obviously, we don't always know what happens behind doors, so there might have been a reason why they split ways, but nothing less. The New Orleans Saints, I know despite that they're normally always in, in cap hell, I'm sorry, but they're always, you know, in, in the worst situation come their cap situation. I think they're doing pretty well. I mean, they're getting a lot of cheap, cheap contracts for Pro Bowl level veterans, but nothing less great deal for the Saints. The next news we have is regarding Melvin Ingram and the Miami Dolphins. Now, Melvin Ingram, he originally started the 2021 season on the Pittsburgh Steelers. He signed a one-year, I think it was like $7.5 million contract. There was a lot of tension that grew between the Steelers and him. He didn't like the amount of playing time that he was not getting. And the Steelers said, you know what, if you don't want to be here, we'll just trade you. They ended up, they ended up trading him to the Kansas City Chiefs right before the deadline. There was a trade deadline, and he actually had a pretty solid season with the Chiefs. I mean, nothing too, too spectacular, but we started to see old signs of the old Melvin Ingram back when he was with the um, San Diego slash Los Angeles Chargers. Now, hadn't really heard much about him all free agency. Kind of just seemed like he was really evaluating all his options, and I guess he finally found the option that will fit him the best, and that is with the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins are signing him to a one-year deal. And this just only continues to bolster up what is an already impressive Miami offseason. Obviously going out and trading for Tyreek Hill. Now they will be bringing in another Pro Bowl level veteran in Melvin Ingram who will definitely solidify the edge for that team who just never really seemed to be able to find it. And considering they have Christian Wilkins in the inside who's been a very decent nose tackle for them. And then, I mean, let's, I mean, we, I mean, I don't even have to talk about the secondary. Javon Holland, Byron Jones, and then Xavier Howard. That's already a very stacked secondary. So, these Miami Dolphins, they're young and they look really good. And I think there's nothing but up for this team. I mean, they can't really go back down unless Tua absolutely drags them that bad. But I do think people are ragging on Tua a little bit, considering, the, you know. Just all the things that he had to get through, that horrible hip injury he had his last game ever at Alabama against Mississippi State, the fact he even recovered from that and was able to play at a decent level. Now, I know sometimes his decision-making is in question, but I do think now that Miami has proven to him, hey, we want you, we don't, you know, we're not trying to move on for you. I remember last offseason, the whole Deshaun Watson sweepstakes, obviously they're like, what, well, what do you mean? Well, last offseason, it was majorly kind of hinted at that you know Deshaun Watson could possibly get traded to the Dolphins it looked like the Dolphins had a trade package that included two a, a couple first round picks and then obviously a couple veteran players to add along that and that probably messed with Tua's head as it would anyone else especially if you're at a job or you're on a you know high school team and the coach is already trying to look for your replacement you know why would you want to do good for them if you know you're going to be immediately shipped out or fired later on in a couple weeks now I mean obviously Tua He's not. He's probably not. He doesn't probably didn't think like that. Where he's like, you know what? Screw this. I'm just gonna play horribly. But it probably does hurt the fact that hey, y'all just spent a first round pick on me, literally not even a year ago, and you're already wanting to ship me out. I do think 
once again, Tua, this is only his third season. It is a prove-it year. I mean, he has no excuses now. Now, I know Devontae Parker injured Will Fuller. That was a horrible situation to begin with regarding his wide receiver core. But there's really no excuses now for Tua. Tua absolutely has to produce. They went out and said, you know what, Tua? We believe you are our franchise quarterback, so we're gonna go out. We're gonna go out there and get you a franchise wide receiver, and that's what they got in Tyreek Hill. And they said, you know what? Screw it. We're gonna go in the draft. We're gonna continue to draft very, very well, considering they didn't really have a lot of draft picks. They still got some great late round picks. They went out and got a buttload of running backs: Raheem Mostert, Sony Michelle. So he has a complete backfield of just an arsenal of weapons in the backfield. Chase Edmonds, who's a great receiving back. Raheem Mostert, who's a great speed back. Sony Michelle, who's a great power back. The sky is the limit for these Miami Dolphins. And I think by them just now adding Melvin Ingram on Sunday, it's only going to continue to get better for this team. Now, we actually did have a surprising trade. And you're probably like, oh, what is it, a huge blockbuster player? It's not a huge blockbuster player, but it is a player that has a lot of upside and potential. Now, the Atlanta Falcons, and this trade actually took place between the Atlanta Falcons and the Las Vegas Raiders. The Atlanta Falcons, they are trading their 2023 fifth-round pick to the Las Vegas Raiders in exchange for wide receiver Brian Edwards. I did not see this one coming at all. Now, I know the Raiders, they went out and signed wide receivers Matt Collins, Demarcus Robinson, and Keelan Cole all throughout free agency. But I always thought Brian Edwards was more the future alongside Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro, who would be playing in the slot for him. I mean, that's just what it felt like to me. I didn't think they were going to move on from Brian. Now, I know his stats are nothing huge. He was a former fourth-round pick. But, I mean, he's he had more production than guys like Henry Ruggs. Now, obviously, it's a whole different situation. But in my opinion, he <laughs> it just made no sense. And also to add on to the fact now, the Raiders 2020 draft class, their first fit, their, their first I think six picks in that draft are all gone. Henry Ruggs and Damon Arnett, their two first round picks were both cut due to their own circumstances. Lynn Bowden, who never even got a chance in Las Vegas, was immediately traded to the Miami Dolphins only a couple days before actually playing in a regular season game with them. And then Tanner Muse, the former linebacker at Clemson, he got released last year before he even played a game. So, Or not last year, but I think a couple years. It, it, it was probably considered one of the absolute worst drafts of all time, in my opinion. I mean, none of these guys even made it more than two years with the team. And that's pretty sad to think because Henry Ruggs had a lot of potential. Damon Arnett, who in my opinion was never a first-round potential guy, but definitely was a very solid second to third round, he absolutely killed his career himself. Lynn Bowden, who coming out of Kentucky, they used him as an emergency quarterback. And that you know, kind of seemed like, hey, we could use him as a Taysom Hill because Taysom Hill, every team was starting to find their own different kind of Swiss Army knife. And I thought, hey, the Raiders might be able to use him. Derek Carr was kind of more of a statistical giant than he was a decent, like a great quarterback. But yeah, I mean, I I know I know I'm kind of getting off track, but I do think it's a great trade for the Falcons. I mean, I know I keep talking about the Raiders, but let's talk about the Falcons who are actually getting Brian Edwards. Brian Edwards has a lot of upside, a lot of potential. I know he only has 750 receiving yards in his first two years in the NFL. You're probably like, well, that's not that much, but. Once again, he didn't get that much playing time. He never was really given a chance in Las Vegas. So now that he will be going to the Atlanta Falcons, who majorly need wide receiver help, they traded Julio to the Tennessee Titans last offseason. Calvin Ridley will be suspended 
all year due to gambling issues. And then Russell Gage, who seemed to be the Falcons wide receiver one going into this year after Calvin Ridley was suspended. He actually walked in free agency and went to Tampa Bay. So they needed a lot of wide receiver help. They actually went out inside veterans. Um, Auden Tate from the Cincinnati Bengals, who once again was another kind of situation like Brian Edwards. Never really got a chance in Cincinnati due to just a stacked wide receiver room. Not due to skill, but just didn't really ever get a chance. Now, they, now obviously, as we all know, the Atlanta Falcons, they went out and drafted U, U, um, USC wide receiver Drake London, who I like simply due to his size. He's not the quickest. He's not going to you know, absolutely outshine you with his explosive route running. But the fact that he can't you know, go up and grab the ball over you is a huge, huge accolade that I think will absolutely mesh well with the Falcons. And now they, now to add on to the fact that they're getting another really great-sized wide receiver in Brian Edwards, Atlanta's kind of turning it around a little bit. I mean, I know they had a really underwhelming offseason. They kind of had an underwhelming draft. But definitely getting Brian Edwards kind of just give these Falcon fans a little bit of hope that, hey, maybe our front office actually does know what it is doing. Now, for the final NFL news of today, this isn't regarding any players. I mean, it's regarding a former, you know, player, you know, Hall of Fame quarterback, you know, nothing too, too big, but it's actually regarding Drew Brees. Now, Drew Brees joined NBC last year hoping that he would be given a lot more opportunities to be an actual game analyst and be able to call games, but obviously he was put he was put on Football Night in America, which is a studio show kind of similar to what um, Inside the NBA on TNT with Shaq, Charles Barkley, and all those guys that's not what Drew Brees wanted. He wanted to be able to call games, and I think he would be really good at that. So after contract expired with NBC at the end of the season, Drew Brees actually decided not to pursue that and actually resigned from his position at NBC. Now, apparently he's eyeing a um, position in the booth for Fox next year, which Tom Brady, as you all know, he got that huge contract with Fox once he retires. He'll you know go up, you know, end up being in the booth. But a lot of people are kind of thinking maybe Drew Brees will fill that spot until Tom Brady is done, which could be two, three, maybe five years possibly. But um, nothing less. It will be interesting to see. Could we see Drew Brees possibly move over to Fox, be in the be in the broadcast booth as an announcer? I don't know. I guess we'll have to see. But nothing less. Huge news in my opinion because it just seems like the whole NFL side of broadcasting and analysts and everything – just did a complete 360 over this offseason as well as, you know, the current NFL free agency because you saw guys like Troy Aikman leave Fox, go to ESPN. You saw guys like Chris Collinsworth go over to NBC doing Thursday night football. So it's just an insane offseason in football as a whole. And in my opinion, I think it's only going to continue to get crazier. Now, guys, that is it for today's um, NFL news. Like I said, a lot of veterans got picked up. We saw that one huge trade go down between the Atlanta Falcons and Las Vegas Raiders. Not huge, but definitely could be a very solid trade for the Falcons, as wide receiver needy as they are. And then Drew Brees left NBC after just one season due to not being happy with his current position. Now, obviously, as you all know, the final segment, we talk about some MLB news, NBA news, kind of just loose end news that I feel y'all would really like. Now, the first news I do want to talk about is the GM of the Philadelphia 76ers, Daryl Morey. Now, Daryl Morey, after the 76ers were eliminated by the Miami Heat in 7, he announced that the 76ers will keep Doc Rivers as their head coach going into next season. So, 76ers fans, you can either be really happy or really sad. I don't really know how y'all feel. I know you'll kind of have some displeasure in them, but at the same time, 
James Harden absolutely did not step up when it mattered most. He only had nine field goal attempts in that final game against the Heat and just never really showed up throughout all the playoffs. And it seemed like Joel Embiid practically had to carry the team. I still do think he very much deserved the MVP award. But nonetheless, the 76ers are going to have a huge question mark to answer to this offseason. And is, and is that, you know, should we keep James Harden? Because James Harden had great moments with the 76ers, you know, putting up 30-plus points. But at the same time, even Joel Embiid said, this is not the Houston Harden. You're not going to get that same guy anymore. He's not that same, I guess you could say, shoot-a-holic. He's more of a playmaker, which... It's true in a sense, but, I mean, he just doesn't have that same flame anymore that he had in Houston where he literally could go off 40, 40, 40, 30, 30, 40, you know, have another 30 couple, you know, couple games. And it's just, you know, the old James Harden we were used to, the MVP James Harden. I mean, it's – I definitely think that's going to be a huge point. I mean, I, I, the, I mean, they gave up so much to get James Harden too, and the fact that they only made it one round past the Brooklyn Nets, which they were just in a complete – hold themselves regarding Ben Simmons and you know if he really is injured if he really had surgery or if he was just holding out just to hold out the NBA I mean there's so much drama currently going down in there Kyrie Irving he him and Nike won't be resigning a deal for his shoes or whatnot so I think that's really kind of interesting as well but yeah so 76ers fans Doc Rivers will still continue to be y'all's head coach now let's get over to some baseball news and <laughs> Man, before we do talk about the Cincinnati, Cincinnati Reds and their epic fail they had on Sunday, let's first talk about and actually congratulate Houston Astros manager Dusty Baker. Now, in case you don't know who Dusty Baker is, Dusty is a former longtime outfielder in the MLB, most notably playing with the Los Angeles Dodgers, and he actually did have a pretty decent career. His final year in the MLB was in 1986 with the Oakland Athletics, and he actually he actually decided to pursue a managerial career in the MLB, and he actually did have some success while being an MLB manager. Back in 2002, he was the manager of the San Francisco Giants, and he actually led them to a World Series. And then he did the same thing pretty much a, pretty much two decades later with the Houston Astros in the 2021 World Series, which actually made him the ninth manager to win pennants in both the American and National Leagues, which is a huge accomplishment accomplishment in itself because we all know how hard it is to literally win a um, pennant in just one league. Now Dusty Baker actually this past weekend moved into 10th place all time in wins as a manager with 2009 wins as a manager. So huge accomplishment to Dusty Baker. I mean he has a Hall of Fame career as a coach. An amazing human being at that too. Definitely stands up for his players. He's a players manager and I can't wait to see him possibly continue to win even more, and I know it's hard to say it for the Astros, but it's hard not to love, you know, Dusty Baker in itself. Now, the next news we have, it's regarding the Angels stud and pretty much the face of MLB, Shohei Otani. Now, on su now on, not on Sunday, sorry, sorry, on Saturday, Shohei Otani, he actually hit his 100th home run against the Oakland Athletics, and he actually hit that ball 418 feet while also hitting it 110 miles per hour off the bat, so absolutely crushed that baseball. And he actually just becomes the third Japanese-born MLB player to actually hit 100, 100 career home runs and right now the two players that he is trailing are both legends in themselves Hideki Matsui and then Ichiro Suzuki so 
huge accomplishment for Shohei Otani. I'm absolutely looking forward to years and years down the line continuing to watch him dominate baseball as a two-way player. I'm glad that he proved critics wrong and actually did dominate, especially last year when he won AL MVP and kind of, you know, actually shut up the critics about, hey, you know, I can't make this two-way thing work. Now, for obviously the huge and huge topic of this MLB segment that I did want to talk about, and this is regarding the Cincinnati Reds actually, you know, picking up a combined no-hitter but still losing the game to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Now, this game happened on on Sunday. The starting pitcher for the Reds was actually their most prized rookie right now, Hunter Green, and very dominant inning pitched about, or not very dominant inning, very dominant game pitched about seven and a third inning, and then eventually was relieved by relief pitcher Art Warren, who, you know, absolutely pitched pretty decent. Now, the only run that came in this game was off a RBI grounder, which was hit by Key Brian Hayes, one of the future stars of the MLB. And you're wondering, what well, was a no-hitter? Well, this hit technically wasn't a hit because because there were already two men on base, one on second, one on first, and then Warren actually walked Ben Gamble to load the bases fully, so still there's no hits. Now, Key Brian Hayes, he actually, you know, like I said, he followed with a grounder to second baseman Aleo Lopez, who bobbled the ball before throwing it to shortstop Matt Reynolds for one out at second, and then Matt Reynolds, which his throw was too, you know, too late, didn't get out Cabrian Hayes at first base. So technically, it was not a hit; it was just an out, and still kind of kept the no hitter alive, if you want to say. But it did allow for a Pittsburgh score, which is why you see the, you know, Pittsburgh Pirates winning one to zero over the Cincinnati Reds in this game. Now, this is actually the first game where a team has had a no hitter and still lost since back in June 28th of 08 against the Los Angeles Dodgers. Now, the Angels were the team that this actually happened to. They pitched a no hitter against the Dodgers, and the Dodgers still ended up winning that game. And this is only actually the sixth in MLB history where this has happened. And before that, with the Angels, the the the, the game that happened before that took place back in 1992 against the Red Sox and the Cleveland Indians at the time. So, the Cincinnati Reds they make history, but not the type of history you really want to be known for. Now, guys, I do hope y'all really did enjoy today's episode. I know I enjoyed obviously making it for y'all that Cincinnati Reds whole situation right now going on is just insane it's funny it's comical and I do think it needs to be stopped I do think teams need to be you know there needs to be a certain amount of money that you need to spend because you don't want these teams you know literally doing money ball kind of what the Oakland Athletics do and then your fans boycott you for literally not going out and trying to win so it's it's just a weird situation but once again guys thank y'all for continuing to show support every single episode i'm so glad i've been able to go 50 episodes and i can't wait to continue to hit 100 150 200 and all these huge milestones going forward with y'all now guys before i do you know talk about the instagram and tiktok i do want to ask y'all please make sure to try and so show any type of support you can whether it's telling your mom your dad your girlfriend whoever it might be if they love sports make sure they know to come down to the cover seven with mason pierce podcast it's a great environment great community once again i mean i'm just trying to sh- and, you know, i'm trying to share my love of sports to all you beautiful people and also on anchor they do allow for a 4.99 monthly supporter um monthly supporter thing now if y'all do really want to do that i would appreciate that appreciate it a lot y'all don't have to at all i don't expect anything from y'all but it does allow me to better the podcast better the quality and also be able to future you know in the future give y'all some exclusive perks maybe some exclusive episodes you never know what happens but anyway 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 
Guys, also, please make sure to follow the official Instagram and TikTok of the Cover Set with Mason Pierce podcast. Links are always going to be down in the description. And as always, guys, I hope you all have a fantastic start to y'all's week. Absolutely kick Monday's rear end, and I will see you all back here on Wednesday. Peace.